Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the ARIA podcast, the second one of 2021. It feels like this year has been two months long already, (laughs) but it hasn't. I'm here today with Erica Sharp. She's a wonderful bass player, musician, educator. Say hello, Erica. Hello. Yeah. I know my intros are really cheesy so far, but I'm I'm really liking it. It's perfect. It's perfect. (laughs) Right? Well, I'm really, thank you so much for for joining me on my podcast. I'm, I'm really excited. Thanks for having me. This is the first podcast I've ever been on. So it feels like a good, you know, 2021. Um, check check that one off the box. The first, the yeah. first of many, I assume, I think. I... Well, yeah, tell me, tell me about yourself, Erica. What's been going on with you? Are you, you're not from Arizona. Are I am you? not. Um, I was born in Kentucky. Um, yeah, that's where I was born. And then I grew up in Washington state, um, in the Everett area. So that's where I lived, uh, my whole life until I was 18. And then I moved to New York city, um, to study music at the new school. So I lived there for four years and then I moved to, um, Phoenix in 2017. So kind of gone back and forth, um, to the coasts kind of and now I'm here in Phoenix very cool yeah yeah, the new school (laughs) I um I auditioned to go to the new school when I was heading into jazz school as well I didn't really know anything about it but I definitely knew that it was like one of the places to go like what got you into um like deciding to go to the new school yeah good question um a friend of mine a drummer friend of mine had auditioned and was attending the new school um, and recommended the program really highly. And so um, based on his recommendation and research and recommendations from other friends of mine who were um, musicians, friends of mine when I was in high school and also um, private lessons instructors, that was on my list. So I auditioned there um, in New England Conservatory, Berkeley, and then um, I threw a state school in there too, uh, Michigan State University, um, which is where another one of my great friends, uh, musician friends, was attending. So I took a lot of advice from uh, from my bandmates who I really looked up to, um, but I ended up going to the new school because I felt that there was something unique, um, but also personal and intentional about the program. Um, It was a lot smaller of a program than the other schools that I had auditioned at. Um, And I got a scholarship and that was great. And when I went to New York City um, for the first time for my audition, I was by myself and I just felt like, hey, you know, if I can, if I can make this happen, if I can get in and get a scholarship, then I want to be in New York City. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that a crazy feeling? I um, I went to New York to audition to get into NYU, and it was crazy. <laughs> Just um, I went with my dad, but I was pretty much all alone. I like I had one or two other friends who were auditioning too, and just kind of like seeing the big city for the first time and having to just get around on your own. 
it was pretty uh it was pretty shocking but it was really fun too it wasn't my first time in new york but it was my first time like on my own in new york same same yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and it's funny too because looking back um i had absolutely no idea what i was getting myself into (laughs) but because of this friend um who had recommended the school um and he was attending there and another friend of mine who I met, uh, who was an RA there, um, I connected with a couple people and they were the kind of, uh, you know, deep thinking and community oriented people who I was always hoping to find, um, but naturally did not find in my very suburban, um, homogenous environment as a high school student. So I was really attracted to the new school um, because it was in New York, but also because it really felt like um, people were forward thinking and young people were, were connecting in ways that I had not really experienced at all uh, growing up in, yeah, in like the hardcore, very white suburbs of Everett. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I see. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really cool. Um, so did you play, did you play like in your high school jazz bands and stuff? Did you participate in any other like programs that got you into music when you were younger? Yeah, when I was, um, when I was in middle school, I really wanted to be in jazz band because I thought it was super cool. Um, but I played the flute in middle school and they didn't allow flutes in my jazz band. So um, there was a, there was an improvisation exercise where we were, um, improvising with a, a simplified blues progression. Um, and I was improvising on the flute and my band teacher said, Hey, you've got really good time. Um, would you ever consider playing bass? And I had always wanted to play the guitar because there was a band, um, called late Tuesday, this like kind of folk rock band, um, that would perform at the church I went to growing up. And the guitarist was this really tall, uh, blonde woman. And I totally idolized her. And I always wanted to play the guitar. And then I thought, hey, bass is kind of similar. Sure, I'll give it a try. Um, so yeah, so I started playing bass, electric bass, when I was 12 um, in middle school jazz band. And then um, once high school came around, I started playing upright bass um, at 14 because I needed to play upright in order to play in high school jazz band so I did that I was in um I was playing bass and wind ensemble and then I was also in youth orchestra and um a combo outside of school at this spot called music works northwest um like a small a small group like a couple horns and a rhythm section um that was super cool I did have a predatory um music instructor um, which was really horrible and definitely, um, I think I, I want to say it was my first experience with like, um, really directed like harassment, but you know, I can't quite recall, but I do remember it was a great experience until, until it wasn't, you know what I mean? (laughs) It was a great experience musically. Um, but unfortunately the 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 creepy teacher kind of ruined it so god yeah I mean it's that's awful I'm sorry that you experienced that I had um 
my band director in high school was predatory just in general it kind of was revealed after this was like right after I switched Mm. high schools yeah which there were a lot of reasons for that one of them was just because man all my friends graduated we lost funding for our marching band so we didn't have it so our music program just got like totally chopped in half just everything was looking so different so I kind of just didn't want to be there anymore you know and the jazz band like was going to cease to exist as well yeah it was one of those if the jazz band lasted, it'd be so much smaller and it wouldn't really be like a band anymore. And so I kind of just switched schools entirely. But it was right after I switched schools that my band director got caught with like a 16-year-old student. And it was this huge thing. And then it was revealed that he'd been doing that for years with students. And it was like, yeah, so awful. It's, it's so fucked up. Um, and I think, you know, in a lot of ways, like, even though it's it's um it's shitty and it's heavy to talk about it's also like such a it's also such um a real and like uh horrifically common experience for um for young people and definitely for women and for women identifying people um in music and i definitely don't have a reason why but i can say like in general, I think music helped me find the people that I wanted to be around and it also helped me find a voice and it gave me a challenge, something to work really hard toward. But I think in all of that ambition, yeah. um, there's also like this this element of like wanting to rise to the occasion, wanting to be accepted, like wanting to be respected, even as like a high schooler. Um, and especially as one of few women in a given ensemble. So I think there's just a lot of like factors that play into, um, you know, for me feeling like I didn't always know whether something was okay or not. Like, even if I felt like, oh, this is creepy. Like the music was so fun that, you know, I didn't necessarily give it the, the seriousness that it deserved. Um, which I think I would really like to change that. And I would, I would, I would also just like to make it a point to recognize like that kind of predatory behavior. It makes, it makes things, it makes music difficult because you start to question your ability and whether the feedback you get is accurate, um, or if the feedback that you're getting is actually grooming, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. And I think that's probably an issue just in all genres of music in general. Um, but you know, being a, being a, a bass player and mainly in the rhythm section. And I think just being a woman in jazz in general, there's just so much, um, there's so much like secret kind of behind doors conversations that happen both about the music but also just socially and it can be hard to know like if you're really accepted in a band um and that was something I I definitely struggled with like throughout high school um in jazz bands but at the same time like I was always really kind of stubborn so even if even if I felt like oh maybe I'm not good enough to play with these people or like 
you know, maybe maybe they think I'm too young or they they think I'm annoying or they don't really want me around in a certain way. It was also kind of motivating to me because <laughs> I wanted to prove them wrong. Um, so I think that stubbornness was, I think that stubbornness served me well. Um, and it's definitely, I think one of the qualities that helped me to actually get into music school and just get out of that, you know, suburban environment. Cause I was so done with, um, all the strange and silly, like high school social issues, um, especially like getting to, like you said, later in high school my friends had graduated like I felt like I was beyond what was happening in school with band um and musically and I just wanted a new environment and boy did I get one so (laughs) yeah (laughs) I can believe that and I mean I think that experiences like that when you're young definitely help um to kind of like I guess in my experience they helped to like mold the the future person I would become and I don't, I don't think that's always a bad thing. I, I think that it sucks that kind of going into working with new people and when you're young, working with older people, older men, you like have to kind of be mm-hmm. wary for a second and question <laughs> what the situation really is. I, I haven't been in a situation like that with a um, director or like a, a leader, but um, other members of a band I've certainly been in situations yeah. like that where it's like, did you hire me? Like, why yeah. did you hire me? <laughs> I have to ask that so many times. Like, why did you hire me? And um, are you going to make this about me being a woman or are you going to make this about the music? Um, I guess one thing I can think of is just I had a different band director who kind of made it really obvious when there were girls in his band, there were always like one or two he would like give us a role that was like supposed to highlight that Mm. we were a girl. Um, Here's an example, just really quick. My, one of my friends who was also in this high school jazz group with me, there was this song that had a like handbell part, like those little like Mm -hmm. chime things. (laughs) I don't know exactly what they're called. He always made the girl do it no matter where she was in the band, no matter what part she had. The girl had to do that little chime part and she had to stand up in front of the whole band yeah. and do it too. <laughs> and it was just, it seemed so little and stupid and silly, but it was like so frustrating. And, you know, the way that he would kind of make the girls in the band dress up a whole lot more than yeah. he would make the guys dress up kind of these expectations were really strange, but yeah, I don't know. Just kind of being wary of that in the future. There have been, I don't know. There have been gigs I've done that are like fun wedding gigs that are supposed to be super high energy, happy, whatever. And one of the guys in the band will just start hitting on you. <laughs> it's like they've had a couple drinks already and they're just having a good time. They're in their band. They're in their comfort zone. But like you're in, on this gig now and you kind of just have to deal yeah. with it. <laughs> like It's really hard to to well I guess in my experience I don't know about for you but it's always really hard for me to call it out and just straight up tell them to like fuck off on a gig because I don't want to like create all this confrontation on the bandstand or even backstage because I just want to have fun and do the gig yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because somehow I actually find that um because I I usually have to size up the drummer that I'm playing with like pretty hard um that I all that I already have a bit of a 
abrasive quality when I first show up to a gig. Like I want to, I want to push the boundary. Like I want to know like where people's line is. And so um, I kind of come, I, my, my, my natural tendency is to come on strong and then to ease up. Um, and sometimes I, I turn up the intensity depending on like who I think I'm around and sometimes they surprise me, but typically they don't. Um, yeah. So I usually like to come on with like a really strong face and then, and then see how it's received. Um, just so I know right away. And then people usually know just not to fuck with me. Like, like if I can, you know, if, if, if I can, if I can play comfortably with the drummer and like, we're on the same page, um, that's like a huge, you know, that's, that's like the best sign. And then if the drummer and I are on the same page and, you know, I can, I can be assertive musically, then I feel a lot more confident being assertive socially as well. Um, I think being like a physically large person also helps me in that way because I'm, six three so I just don't I I don't think people would would even I I hope that people wouldn't want to fight me because it would just be like real (laughs) real real long gangly arms and legs but you know all 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 at it all (laughs) all hands on deck basically (laughs) right no No, holding back here oh my god (laughs) I did not know that you were six three. Um, yeah, that's, that's I'm super cool. tall. Um, so, you know, in mm-hmm. in some ways, I think I think it has helped me. Um, I mean, it certainly helps physically, like getting around the upright base mm-hmm. and the electric base. Um, but yeah, like growing into my height, growing into that aspect of myself, which um, used to be something I was kind of not ashamed of, but just insecure about, um, at this point now, I, I know right. also, I know immediately if someone's making comments about my height, um, at a gig, I'm like that, that to me is like the flirtation. Like <laughs> if someone's talking about how tall I am, I'm like, yeah, okay. Fucker. Like, I, I know, like I can see, I can see that there's, I can see that there's <laughs> some, some, uh, there might be some issues. So, so that's also like a heads up for me. Um, so it's kind of like the precursor to the flirtation but a good opportunity to good opportunity to shut it (laughs) down you know if it's unwanted absolutely I was just gonna say it's so true like if a girl is tall the first thing a man is gonna do is comment on how tall she is and I mean I don't know I can just I this hasn't happened to me before right yeah but I can play it out in my head like how oh and yeah, of course you take that as a sign. And like, I can imagine that being at being the bass player and being in a rhythm section, you know, I know that we're in a day and age now where there are tons of women playing all the rhythm section instruments, but I still think it's a little bit more common for there to be male bass players and like male drummers, like, you know, in a lot of communities. So you're used to playing with guys on that level because bass is like such an important part of the music, of course. And you've got to lock in with a drummer, especially in jazz to like make that connection and get the music moving. And yeah, you've, you've got to be able to like form that connection and that relationship and assert yourself because 
I can only imagine. Like I've thought about being a bass player when I was in college and I was thinking to myself, man, that's a lot on my shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a lot to, it's a lot. And I mean, part of the reason why I love playing the baritone saxophone so much is because I kind totally. of can be a bass player sometimes, but like, depending yeah. on my role. Right. But, oh, I feel you. I, I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but- yeah. No, I think, I think the, the, the bass and drum relationship is like the thing that I am most concerned about actually it's the thing that I care the most about it's also the thing that makes playing the most fun um because playing with playing with a drummer who isn't on the same page or who's not like really open to you know taking the lead or following like someone who's just in their own world I don't think there's anything more frustrating than that um just because ultimately like we're we're trying to make it feel good so in order for something to feel good you also have to have a lot of trust and you also have to be able to like figure out you know on the spot relatively quickly like what is my role in this in this partnership basically like am I the one who's driving is this person the one who's driving like am I following you know can I let go of my insecurities and do the job that this person like expects me to do and then and then if that happens, then it's usually amazing and beautiful. And I think like that, that drum and bass relationship is something that like, it just has to, it just has to work. If it doesn't work, it's so obvious. If it doesn't work, you know, the gig is fucked basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. I mean, it is so important. It's more important than people realize. I think that audience members tend to give more credit to the horn players than they give credit to the bass player. And I think maybe it's, God, all I can imagine is that the horn player is usually playing the melody and standing yeah, in yeah. front. So <laughs> they don't realize how important the other parts behind the horn player are and how the horn player would pretty much crumble if that bass and drum relationship. Yeah. It's been so there, long since you know? I've played with horns, actually. It's been a really long time. I haven't played in like a real um, jazz combo or ensemble probably since probably since I graduated in 2017. It's been a super long time. I I kind of I never particularly um, I didn't shift away from playing with horns necessarily, but I always found myself really attracted to playing with guitarists and so a lot of the groups that I was playing with even in college like even jazz gigs that I would book would be like myself on bass and singing and a guitarist so like a duo slash trio um or like bass piano drums um like rhythm section trios but I really would love to I would love to play with you I would love to play with more horn players for sure because it's a it's something that I haven't haven't had the pleasure to do in quite quite a few years. You know I'm so down. I mean, especially um, like when we can get together soon and play. I mean, my horn, I haven't been touching it very much yeah. the past few months. It, it's been a weird place for me um, with everything going on. I mean, basically, I used to practice my saxophone all the time, especially when I had saxophone students to, you know, keep me going. But I just sustained some injuries from playing Barry so much and just 
when I was in school, I wasn't really able to like, yeah, take care of my body. I guess I just wasn't thinking about it. So I wasn't doing it. I'm not going to like blame anybody for not telling me to exercise because I think yeah. that people were, but I like didn't really totally. know how to exercise in the right way. And so, you know, but it, the truth is, you know, I, I have shoulder pain and I have neck pain and stuff when I play Barry, but that's not the thing uh, that keeps me from, from playing it. I think I just needed to take some time away from playing the, the instrument, just maybe I mean, I, I've talked to you a little bit about it before, but it's a mindset thing. Sometimes your instrument can be like the love of your life and sometimes it can totally. be totally yeah, opposite. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I think I think a break is is good because it gives you the opportunity to kind of take some space and also like close a chapter in some ways. Um, and also like to retain your connection to the instrument at all. Um, I took like a year and a half off of yeah. playing music after I graduated from school because um, I was just so confused and I didn't feel drawn to playing jazz anymore. I also didn't really feel drawn to practicing. Um, it just felt like a huge frustration because I felt like I was up against so much um, resistance when I wanted to improve, but I didn't allow myself to just be where I was. And so I literally moved to Phoenix and didn't play music at all. Um, and I still wanted to, and I thought about it, but there was a period of time where I was like angry. People would ask me, Oh, are you playing, are you playing bass at all? And I was like, I don't have to play if I don't want to. Right. Um, and <laughs> I didn't want to, but I also just didn't necessarily have the, the grace or the understanding to just accept like that, what I really wanted was to improve was to be at a certain level. Um, and then logically realize how much work and practice and commitment and patience and trust that that would require. Um, but the break was so good because when I came back to music, um, I started playing electric more and I realized like, yeah, I, you know, I can start from the beginning. I should start from the beginning. I'm not going to pretend like I have all of this experience um, and that I really know what I'm doing because even yeah. moving from upright to electric bass was such a huge shift. Um, and I'm, I feel like every day I get more humble, but also more ambitious at the same time. Like, I'm like, man, you know, if I can, if I can, just practice more every day, like more and more and more, like more efficiently, more like passionately, um, then maybe someday I'll get to a place where I feel like I can play and I can say the things I want to musically. Um, but I'm so hungry. Like I just want to, I want to eat it all. You know, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so hungry for, for more um and I think it's because of all this time that we've spent this past year like not playing music with people um because mm -hmm. last year in January I well the end of December I quit my job in the service industry because I wanted to play music full-time um and that was like a really exciting yeah. step and I definitely just had some money saved up 
and then was like, okay, let's make this happen. Um, and things were looking pretty good from January to March and then March 13th happened. Um, but even still, I think this past year of, um, of practice. And then I also had to take a break for like a month or two, um, for an injury that I had and my left arm that had been kind of bothering me ever since I picked up the base again. Um, and yeah. learn how to just let go of the, let go of the, um, expectations or like the really authoritative, angry teacher telling me to practice in my head and realize like what, what is actually working right. and why am I hurting myself? And like, I can stretch and exercise and walk and these things aren't super challenging, but they, they allow me to completely mitigate my pain entirely um which was fascinating like I didn't realize my body was that um resilient I guess I just got to a point where I was having like numbness in my pinky finger on my left hand and I was thinking am I never going to be able to play again like what am I doing to myself you know and even the thought of taking a month off at the time and this is in this past May was super scary because I was thinking, oh my gosh, like a month, that's so long. Like think of all the things I could accomplish. (laughs) Um, But it's funny because the reason why I think I injured myself is because I was just practicing for hours and hours and hours a day, um, scales and long tones and really like, really just driving myself into the ground with how hard I was playing because I felt like I had to make up for lost time. And then I realized when I came back, I was like, okay, well, you know, that didn't work. And maybe practicing scales for three hours isn't actually going to help your musicianship. Maybe that's the, (laughs) maybe that's the part of you that, you know, feels like self-punishment is the way to enlightenment when in fact, you know, you could just like enjoy yourself and transcribe something and, you know, like use a lighter (laughs) touch and, and chill and chill the fuck out (laughs) oh my god I totally get that because you know when I when I got done with my music degree at ASU I um I didn't like take an immediate break and I feel like because I didn't do that because I was still able to gig a little bit and I was teaching a lot and I like had stuff going on I feel like I pushed myself to the point where when the pandemic hit and everything went to shit I took that break and I was so relieved to be doing it. (laughs) Like the last gig I had was a wedding gig in March. And then, um, yeah, I think that, I think that was the last one. There might've been one more after that, but I, I just, I was like, Oh my God, finally. And I mean, it took me a long time to really realize that I wanted the break because at first I was just really sad and I didn't know what was really going on with me. I was mad at myself for being, you know, quote unquote, lazy, yeah. right? For like skipping days and just not thinking about <laughs> jazz very much, right? Like same thing. But it was like, I, it was because, you know, in school, you know, they tell you when you get there, you're expected to practice this many hours a day, every day, and you're expected to keep up with your coursework and blah, blah, blah. And they put all these expectations on you. So when you're free of school and you realize those expectations no longer really exist, yeah, you still feel like they do because you were like conditioned to be trained to be. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that practicing anything for hours is like awesome, but 
totally like scales, long tones, all that good stuff. There was a time where I desperately (laughs) needed to practice that shit. (laughs) And like, yeah, I had to get it down, but over years. And I mean, it's funny, like my saxophone professor ASU was awesome. He gave me a lot of like really fun, like, you know, exercises. So it wasn't just boring, you know, scales and track long tones. He gave me some cool stuff to do, but man, like once you realize those expectations are no longer on you, then you have to ask yourself, well, what do I expect for myself? And like, what do I actually want to accomplish as a musician? And, you know, I did, I I was gigging a little bit um, and like doing my own groups. And I kind of realized that it was more stressful than anything else, you know, just like coming with, coming up with a show and running rehearsals. It's not that I don't like, like being a band leader because I do, but at the time I didn't like it. And I was like, kind of over it and I really wanted to just kind of step away from just playing Barry and I wanted to sing more and I like I didn't like sing in public until my junior recital actually that was the (laughs) first time I revealed to the world that I could sing and then (laughs) because I was I don't know I I don't know if you've experienced this with your voice but I kind of hid it from people for a long time because I just wanted to like keep it to myself I was very insecure about it yeah. But I always knew that I didn't yeah. want to sing and that I didn't yeah. sing. So that's what I think. Right now, I feel like I'm in this trans, transformative, transformative, whatever, period of my music where I'm, I'm not playing very much. But every time I get in the car and I turn on music, I'm like thinking about songwriting and I'm thinking about what I want to sound like mm-hmm. and like what kind of music I want to make. And I listen to all types of stuff and I, and I try to take little bits and pieces from everything that I listen to. And then, you know, I've just been kind of just like thinking about it. And, you know, one of my, one of my friends used to tell me, well, thinking about it is like not enough. (laughs) And like, it's true. You have to start taking action and doing it. But I really like just thinking about it for now because I, um, I want to make sure that when I get back into really taking it serious, that I'm not overthinking it. Cause that's what I always do. Think about it first. And then when you start doing it, you're like, Oh, I thought about every possible scenario for how this could go wrong or right or whatever. And now I'm just going to sit here. Yeah. And, like, sing yeah, absolutely. No, I can relate to that you know? a lot. Um, the overthinking part. And I think for me, the thing that sort of, changed my perspective was doing some studio recording um with bass but also with backup vocals um recently and it was crazy because the the thing that I I didn't know before I had recorded in a studio was that um I wasn't gonna show up and have people tell me exactly what to do like that what I played was very much mm-hmm. my choice and also what I just what I could pull off in the moment um, in in these particular sessions. And also that like I was ready to be in that kind of environment. I was ready to be like, you know, challenged in the sense of learning a song in, you know, 15 minutes and then doing some takes and deciding if it's good enough and that was it and there was no like big emotional um or or thoughtful preparation on my part i just showed up and then i i gave this person you know a bass part or a background vocal part and 
it was crazy how all of this time that I have spent throughout my life thinking about music or thinking about how I sound or how other people sound or the music I like. Um, and then to go in a studio and record music for someone else and to have it feel so like effortless in a way just really shifted my perspective perspective and it made me realize that recording music versus practicing and versus um you know writing and creating it for yourself like these are all quite different exercises i think and i think one of the great things about recording is that um you can surprise yourself and also that sometimes simplicity is more important than virtuosity um you know depending depending on the scenario um certainly in uh, a songwriting and like a vocal and you know kind of singer songwriting context for sure totally that's that's really awesome simplicity versus like virtuosity um i feel like i just want to write music that is pretty simple and like stripped down so that when I do start recording it, I can add all these really cool layers to it and not be worried about overcomplicating it <laughs> or like messing up because I wrote chord changes that are too hard Absolutely. for myself to play. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I remember like having to sight read people's music that they would bring in for a, a combo during school or something. And it's their original music and it's cool. And sometimes I'd be like, man, <laughs> can they even play this? <laughs> like, just cause I was like, damn, this song is really hard and it sounds cool, but I don't know what's going on. Like, is anybody really enjoying this right now? Like I just remember, I think it was because I was a freshman when I was in this group, I was like really young and less experienced than mm -hmm. the rest of the group. Yeah. And they were used to bringing originals in all the time for each other. Yeah. They had that connection already. And I'm coming in, just kind of like, okay, yeah. I guess I'm here. So what are we going to do? <laughs> and it was probably just more the intimidation factor than anything else that made me feel that way. But it's funny, like, um, that was also part of why I hesitated when it came to writing my own original music. Cause I was like putting myself in other people's shoes and thinking like, well, does my music have to be as complex as theirs? Does my music have to be, you know, in crazy yeah. signatures and, you know, does it really have to be like right. that? Yeah. Like, is that yeah, what modern jazz absolutely. is? You know? <laughs> I completely understand. And I, I felt similarly too um, throughout college. I wrote some music for my senior recital, um, which I still have not listened to because I was just too afraid. It was, it was like, I think it went better than I expected it would, <laughs> but it still sucked um, because, because the band, because the band didn't want to hang out with me afterwards. So that was kind of like my signal of like, yeah, something's off here. <laughs> it was probably the saddest thing I had oh ever experienced, um, was, was the end of my senior recital. No one in the oh. band wanted to like come out to dinner with me. It fucking sucked. You know, that's like my only, like, that's, that's my only sad, like real <laughs> shitty thing that I <laughs> that I have to say on the podcast was like that was so damaging um but I was also just I was really new at writing music and arranging it and I was playing electric bass instead of upright because I was like breaking up with upright in my senior year of college and um I had someone play a drum machine at the concert and I was just like let's just go balls to the wall like make it as 
you know, out there as possible, um, as nonconformist as possible. Um, but then I didn't really start writing music again until I, until I picked up my instrument, until I picked up electric bass again, and then really started exploring, um, harmony, like song harmony and being able to see the harmonic relationships on an instrument with frets was like absolutely revolutionary for me. Um, and then also realizing that the music that I like to listen to and the music that I liked to sing to myself was not um, necessarily complex, like harmonically complex, um, but that was okay. And, you know, I think that in general, I have so many interests, musical interests and instruments that I want to get better playing. Um, but songwriting is something that I don't think too hard about. Um, I just really enjoy the process of discovering a simple chord progression that has a feeling um, because that doesn't really happen all the time. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't gotten to, gotten to a point where I can like formulaically do that um which I think is a good thing at this point I see yeah I think you were um you were describing you know looking at or like playing an instrument with frets and looking at the frets and then like making that chord connection like where you can just understand the music better I feel like that happened to me when I picked up guitar and it completely opened my mind to mm-hmm. how I would want my music to sound. And the way that the guitar sounds in general is just so different to me. And it has this different feeling than, you know, piano or saxophone. Like one of the things that I now realize is this disconnect I have with the saxophone is that I've never really written songs on it. And I, um, I mean, I don't think there's any particular reason for that, but I think that when it comes to like, seeing music in your head like seeing how the chords are going to be laid out and stuff it's so much easier to do that on a like songwriting instrument like guitar or piano you know and when you use an instrument like that it really like opens up your perspective and I think that what's fun for me too you know I definitely overthink songwriting all the time but (laughs) my best songs happen if I'm just singing to myself totally and then I think to like record a voice memo or something it's like it's totally one of those things where I have to be totally in my own space, in my own little world. And then I have to just trust myself yeah. enough to hit record yeah. and not let that psych me out. <laughs> Sometimes it does. But that's where all the magic happens. I feel like all the all the songs that I've really been proud of have happened because of that. And um, like, I don't know, I think another thing that I struggle with is like Mm -hmm. writing music can get really personal for me because I want to write about really personal experiences. And then I'm like, oh, shit, should I write this song? Like, should I talk about this publicly? Um, Because I want to, because part of, I don't know, one of the greatest things about being a musician is that you can really just like use it as an outlet to express your emotions in whatever level you choose. And something that I've learned about myself is that I'm just like very outwardly vulnerable and I'm like learning how to reel it back in for my own safety, you know, (laughs) but that's the thing about music is you've got to like be super, uber vulnerable and take that leap and, and put that shit out there and just, you know, I guess 
you want people to relate to it and understand it, but I don't know. I think that it's important with music that you're writing to kind of know, is it for you or is it? Yeah, because I think in so many ways, like the reason why we feel that our vulnerability is a, a liability is, is because, um, is because we don't always get to experience music or other people um, at their vulnerable selves, you know, and we don't always give ourselves the, the vote of confidence to say like, yes, this is important for you to share or like these words might feel significant right now, but maybe they won't feel as scary or significant, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months or years from now, but the song is still worth playing and sharing, you know, because it's also an important experience to see like, how is it received? Um, And, you know, is, is, is this song, um, is this like self gratifying to my ego? Is it self gratifying like to my anger? Is it, do I feel good about it after I've played it? Do I feel bad? Like what is, what is the reflection? You know, I think if you don't try, I think if you hold back and you never go for it, then, then how would you learn and how would you like shape your music in the future? Um, I used to be really insecure about lyrics because I'd think, oh my gosh, this is so stupid or like, holy shit, this is so melodramatic or cheesy. Um, and you know, sure that, that is probably true to a lot of people. They'd hear this and they'd go, oh wow, that's cheesy or 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 it's really obvious like okay this is a love song or oh like <laughs> you know this is about um this about this person's family and like she sounds like she has daddy issues or mommy issues or whatever it is but in that sense like then you get to take a little bit of the mysticism away from writing music because i think even though it's a really special experience it's also just like a conversation that we're having but made into something that you know, is played again and again and again. And that exists as a thing and an idea even beyond a conversation. And there's so many different kinds of conversations to have. Um, So I think in some ways, like, even though I aspire to be like lyrically um, eloquent or or powerful, um, I also... (laughs) I don't necessarily have like answers to anything. I just have my experiences and memories and my emotions. Um, I'd love to be able to write music that like motivates people to do something good for the world. Um, But I'm, I still have some more studying and listening and practicing to do before I feel confident in sharing that kind of music. I I hear you there. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I want to write music that is like coming straight from my heart, but I also want to be really careful about putting, putting too much of my heart out into the world. (laughs) Um, But I, yeah, I I want to just be less afraid of how people are going to receive it and, and be less worried about that because ultimately 
it is your feelings and your emotions and your experiences that you're laying out there and not everyone is going to be on the same page with you about those experiences and you can't just make music and then go wait well maybe I should totally. use it because not everyone's yeah. gonna think the same way <laughs> like some of the greatest musicians in the world thought that way and held back like there would be so much music that just would have never happened someone that is a really huge inspiration for me and just like probably my all-time favorite is like Billie Holiday and she um I mean she would perform Strange Fruit like every night for a while every single night (laughs) and she would wait for it to be the last song of the set so that she could go backstage and cry about it (laughs) like and I mean just I'm just like basing it off of her memoir that I read where she just said you know like some people really wanted to hear it. They would beg for me to p- sing it and sing it again and play it again. And I couldn't always do that, but she would still do it. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, that song, I mean, she didn't write the lyrics or anything, but it was kind of, it was kind of a song that was made for her. And I think she was meant to sing it and she was meant to perform it. And she was meant to sing it in front of yeah. all those racist yeah. people out there that were listening to her sometimes, you know? super racist white people who would pay to go see her play like someone you know she was delivering this message that like absolutely needed to be said and she did it knowing how much it put emotional stress onto her and strain onto her and she did it anyway and I mean I'm not saying I want to strive to do exactly that but (laughs) she has this like bravery and beauty to her music and just like I don't know. I still can't really describe to you how her voice makes me feel, but it really makes me feel. And I love it when music can really make you feel yeah, all absolutely. Kinds of and, and, and to me, that's think, the most, you know, that is the most important thing about music um, is the feeling, both the feeling of the people playing it. Like when you're listening, like you can sense how they're feeling, um, but also how, it makes you feel as well and yeah I mean in in context you know with Billie Holiday singing Strange Fruit um, it really puts into perspective I think for both of us like the stakes of um, us sharing our music you know and I think in a lot of ways too um, yeah sometimes like heartbreak songs or you know songs about insecurities or fears um in a certain sense, I think it can be good to write those and to, to put them out there in the world because it also makes you realize like, hey, maybe there are other ideas or issues or things I want to explore. But first, I have to be able to accept myself um, kind of in this fragile state and then share it with people and realize that even the song itself doesn't define who I am. But it can be a transformative experience because it allows me to remember and tap into this um, feeling that I have had, but now I'm actually using as a way to, you know, as a way to express myself as a way to like um, share and play and, you know, like perform, which is kind of the, the opposite of how 
it can feel often, I think, to write to write really personal music. It's like it can feel really scary or it can feel super vulnerable. And then when you have an opportunity to share it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's my story. But it could have been someone else's, too. It's still just as valuable. And if it feels right and if other people feel it, too, then that's just like a magic, a magical moment. Yeah, yeah, that's everything yeah, you could absolutely. have wanted to happen out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, the funny thing to me, too, thinking about Billie Holiday and other music that I love that has a lot of feeling is that music with a lot of feeling doesn't always come from uh, virtuosic players or singers. Like sometimes a person's, you know, musicianship um, is actually eclipsed by their their humanity you know who they are and what they have to say and their experience and their feeling and so for me at this point I have these two I have this push and pull between wanting to just improve on my instruments and just really like master my instruments to a greater degree every day and then at the same time I also know that when it comes to songwriting um that I have to be so completely accepting of myself exactly where I am and, you know, telling the stories that aren't necessarily happening when I'm practicing. So it's kind of like different sides of my brain. Um, And I would say I'm a lot more motivated to practice skills at this point than I am to write music because I don't know, I, I don't particularly want to write music about the, the strange anxiety ridden um like just confusing state of of the past year uh, because I really don't know if the messages that I've kind of gathered or or the lessons that I've learned I don't necessarily know how to distill them in a way that feels musical um all I can do is just take them and use them as motivation to like be practicing more than ever before actually which is which is a really awesome thing um so yeah I don't know it's kind of it's it's funny because in times there are times in my life where I really feel like writing a lot and then there are times that I really feel like practicing and this is definitely a practicing season for sure um but I know there'll be there'll be more songs at some point soon. I just want to I just want to have the skill and some some more language to be able to write in different styles as well. Um and to write like up to my ability because I think that's something that Absolutely. gets revealed with writing yeah. too is like you can only write a song with the language with the musical language that you have really acquired and are super comfortable with. And so then like the practice and the studying and the listening can contribute to different songs and more flexibility too, because then you have more language to, to form, you know, and you have more facility and you have, you have a different approach, I think. Yeah. That, that's something I was going to point out is like, when you take these long, you know, practice sessions, you know, where you're not writing, you're just focusing on acquiring your skills and getting yourself more comfortable with new things. All the writing that's going to come later is going to like 
be so much more what you want it to be than it was before. You know, like so many things you couldn't do in the past, you'll be able to do now. And um, I think it's really fun to explore writing (laughs) through the years, like look at the songs that you wrote when you were younger or when you were less experienced. (laughs) And just like, I mean, man, the song that I wrote in like seventh grade is like the best song I've ever written because (laughs) because it's so just like, it's so me really like it's not anything like complex or super interesting but it's so who I was at that age you know and so I really love to look back at that and then I love to think about when I do start putting music out and when I do start like you know having my voice be heard again how empowering that's going to be and kind of how cathartic it's going to be for me too because if I do write about these experiences that I've had that I've been dying to write about I don't know it's like it's like nothing else to be able to write about something even if it's not like a painful experience if if it even if it's just like a really happy exciting experience you had you're putting it out into the world for the first time it's not in your head anymore it's out there (laughs) and there's just something really awesome about that I think that music has always kind of just been like therapeutic for me in one way or another so you know writing my music and and putting songs out there that I've been wanting to get out there in the way that I want them to be that's going to be like a really awesome yeah. moment for me yeah, and I don't think I'll be scared anymore you know yeah yeah absolutely um getting to that point, yeah I'm you know <laughs> I'm planning on releasing music in the spring um and I think part of the process of getting to a point where I feel like, okay, it's time to release this music or it's time to record it. It's time to just capture it. Is that um, I'm not afraid anymore of the songs themselves. I don't wonder like, Oh, are these good? Are these bad? You know, there are some songs that I've played um, in a set of my original music where I, I, I know like, okay, this isn't really, this isn't the, the, the most genuine song like I like how it sounds but it doesn't even doesn't necessarily feel like something I would want to play again and again you know what I mean um so narrowing narrowing it down a little bit and then also just realizing like these songs are so much a reflection of the music that I have that I was listening to when I was writing them and that was more than a year ago um but I want to capture it now because I don't want to lose the intention of the song and what I was hearing when I was first writing it. Um, even though most of these songs I've just written um, voice and electric bass. But the practicing part is important because I'm planning to perform and record all of the instruments on the, the album slash EP. I'm not sure how long it's going to be yet um, myself, which is quite an undertaking. So at this point, I'm like, okay, I got to get my chops together. And then I can really have more flexibility with the arranging. Um, but it's still a mystery to see how it will all come together. Um, but I'm getting excited and I've been doing this um, this challenge from She Shreds, which is this uh, online, well, actually, they used to have a magazine too, this, this media group um, for women guitarists and bassists nice. recording something every day recording music every day um and sharing it on instagram and it's been 
awesome and it's been time consuming and it's been really, really good for my practice because I'm practicing something different every day. And I'm also practicing with an outcome, like a specifically, you know, a productive outcome, um, something that I will have, you know, music, a recording to show for my progress on that particular day. And I think this has been like the perfect kind of primer for recording my songs too, because it's making me realize like, you know, there's a, there's a real ebb and flow to my own like reflections on what I'm making from one day to the next and my energy levels and what I'm able to accomplish in a given day and what ideas feel most interesting. But um, the, the practice of doing it every day and committing is really important. Like it's just necessary. And that's something that I, that I want to take into my album recording too. It's just like having something to produce every day, you know, being productive and not just getting focused on the minute and, um, or, or the negative. It's like, music has to have momentum, you know, it has to have feeling. So in that sense, you can't be so precious with it, I think. Um, especially when thinking about like, okay, you know, how do I feel insecure about the lyrics or do I feel insecure about the playing? At a certain point, it just has to be a song, you know, you have to let it go. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I've been really enjoying your like thought process on like songwriting and kind of how you approach how you approach your thank you and yeah your music well and I'm, your, I'm hoping that it's a very long journey and awesome. <laughs> i want to accelerate the the growth um as much as possible but i also i also realize that like this year in particular has really put things in perspective just with all of the people that i have met throughout my life and then this year being able to spend so much time alone and spend so much time with music and contemplating it and considering what I want to contribute so I'm glad I'm glad that I can have a conversation about it too because I think um you know at a certain point at some point I'll be able to put these things into practice and share them through music with the world um but for now I channel it into a podcast and practicing so yeah Yeah, I'm really looking forward to what you continue to do with your Thank music you. and what your yeah, yeah. I'm project excited is as going well. to be I, later in the you spring. Know, on on I'm one really hand, ready. I'm like, maybe this maybe this is just going to turn into like a hardcore, like, like synthy, funky thing. I don't think so. I initially thought, oh, I'll just record all acoustic instruments. But, you know, <laughs> fuck it. Maybe I'll maybe I'll throw some wild cards in there. We'll see. I have to learn how to I have to learn how to like properly mix, you know, my my audio. So that'll that'll take its that'll take its time. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I want to learn yeah, it because it I, seems like that's something I've impossible. never wanted to tackle. So, so far. that's that's like that's like a great motivator for me. That's why I started learning to play the accordion because. I was like, oh yeah, this seems like totally impossible. I should do it. Yeah, like I should I should audition to go to Conservatory New York. Yeah, that's that's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, I should do that. So now I'm going to try and record a good sounding album all by myself. Right. So 
Well, I'll see you. I'll see you. I'll see you on the flip side of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure if you do oh, need yeah. to ask for some advice oh, yeah. from your peers and friends who are good at mixing, yeah, whatnot, all I hope for is just honesty. Help you and and you'll, I think generally speaking, when way, it comes to recording, you know? people are people are pretty ruthless, which I like. Actually, I like. I like the the no holds barred approach to audio because I think it it's kind of like the antithesis of you know the the musical approach where it's like okay is this is this it's not about the performance you know it's not about the content of the of the recording actually it's literally about like how are the components functioning together like does it does it communicate can you hear the right frequencies? Like, is, is there something in the way? Is there something distracting, you know? And there's, there's no, like, there's no right answer to that either, but, um, but there are people who are really, really good at getting certain sounds out of certain instruments and putting them together in a way that's very captivating and realistic and interesting. And that I'm really interested in because I think um, that that adds to the feeling of music just as much as the performance in in many cases i think especially with modern music as well it does i mean mixing and mastering is like a whole other like instrument in and of itself like it's a whole other language and i think a lot of people don't really realize its importance and its impact on all the music that they're listening to like Every aspect of a recorded yeah, absolutely. piece of music so, has a lot to do with I gotta dive and mastering in. and I gotta what dive in deep. there. <laughs> Just go for it. No, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be awesome. And let me know what you learn because I would love to just I don't know, maybe get some some tips and tricks myself, although <laughs> Yeah, one one thing I've learned either. is never trust your never me. trust yourself. <laughs> like if you think like if you think oh it'll be fine I don't have to I don't have to um like yeah. sound check again like you do um if you think it yeah exactly like if you think that you, <laughs> you if you think that you like hit record but wrong. you didn't you know like you you just you can't you can't trust yourself basically you have to. You have to operate like a technician, you know, not not like a performer in that way. Um, and so I think switching back and forth between like the performance mode versus the technician mode yeah. is is the challenging part because getting a clean take with, you know, the performance that you want is is more than just playing it. It's also like preparing and, you know, you don't necessarily want to do the same take 50 times but sometimes you have to because you hit the mic with your foot or you know or 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 you breathe or you know something's buzzing um or you realize that your settings are off and like that's the time consuming part of it is just getting to the place where you're like okay this is how i wanted to sound now i have to play the thing that i was going to play you know but sometimes it could take a couple hours to get there which is why it's time consuming but you know I also can't afford to pay for a studio album because that shit cray. So. 
is well and it'll be so worth it to have put yourself through all of that you know labor basically of playing all the music and getting it all together on your own there's gonna be it's gonna be just so rewarding and so amazing oh yeah oh yeah like make that accomplishment and you'll you'll learn a lot of patience along the way I'm sure So much trial and error that goes into it, but absolutely, it's kind of like absolutely. I don't know. I would, yeah. I would just think about it as practicing anything yeah, else, practicing absolutely. an instrument. So much trial and error. Don't even think. He takes, you know. I wanted to take a moment to thank everyone again for listening to tonight's podcast. Some of you may be listening early, and that is through my Patreon that was just launched for the ARIA podcast. The thing about the Patreon is that all proceeds that I make from my patrons immediately go to organizations for donations, including but not limited to the Navajo Nation Department of Health, the Navajo Nation Relief Fund, the Native American Advancement Foundation, and the Black Empowerment Plus Mutual Aid Project. All of these are located in Arizona, and the goal of the Patreon is to actually support and donate to organizations for Black, Indigenous, people of color, the LGBTQ plus community, etc. If you would like to suggest a organization that you would like the ARIA podcast to donate to, I am absolutely open to suggestions. You can send a DM to the ARIA podcast Instagram page, or you can hit me up personally. My name is Julianne Colwell, and you can find me easily on social media. This podcast is all about supporting our community, and so my goal with the podcast and with the Patreon is to take these proceeds and donate them every month. If you're interested in donating in another way, or if you just know of someone in need that you would like me to donate to, you can also let me know that way. 